What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Days. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today, we are going to talk about, I was going to say the science of spells, the pseudoscience of spells. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Um, People have asked us about it, and we keep saying we want to talk about it, and then we never do. So this is the episode where we talk about it. But we have other things to talk about first, because we're super excited. Um... I don't think we've gotten any rest this October. Literally none. I hope some of you have gone to Witchfest North. You've checked them out. They um, and their market, which just passed the Wickedly Divine, but they have so many different workshops going on um, and speakers that I'm hoping people are checking them out because I've had fun participating with them. They're just a really lovely group of people, very diverse witches. So it's, it's really great to hear from different perspectives. So I think that that's a great thing. So I'm hoping people will check that out. We also just recorded a video for the next Moon, Serpent, and Bone Curiosities and Oddities Market, which is the day before Sarawin. It's October 30th from 6 p.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This video, first of all, we wanted to record in in a cloudy day. So, of course, we chose a day that was cloudy, but the weather decided, no, it's going to be really sunny so that me, all in black, can sweat <laughs> profusely throughout the entire video. Um, and we can't wait for you guys to watch it. I previewed a little bit of it. I gave like a little sneak preview on Instagram. We're really proud of it. We're really excited. We hope you guys like it. Um, and of course, you should check out the Oddities and Curiosity Market because it's going to be fantastic. Just like, well, the other one wasn't in Oddities and Curiosity. So I'm really excited because, you know... I have my little slowly growing collection of things. So I'm always excited to see uh, who comes on board to sell, to see what kind of wares they have. But the one thing I guess that I want to say before you see the video is that we were super careful because of the super pandemic. Super careful. She was shocked because I sent her a Google Doc. I shared with her everything, like plotted out. Like you're going to be here and I'm going to be there. And the closest we were was at the end and we were definitely six feet apart. It was really funny. And we were not speaking. Not speaking at all. And the person that we had taking the like the pictures for us was like, you can talk. And we were like, no, we can't. <laughs> this is the only, like, when we take these pictures, it is the closest we will be to each other. And for our safety, if we speak, there's going to be a problem. So we're just like standing there silently, boom, 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 get our pictures in, and then back to six feet apart, masks on, the whole nine yards. It was... Yep. I was very impressed uh, because I didn't know that Scorpio was a director, but like she's high key a director. She had like shot lists. She had like a props list. It was like, it was the most organized piece of uh, like discussion that we've had. And I had no part of it. So of course it was that organized. I think it was organized. Not that I don't like to organize things, but I think it was organized because of COVID. Because yeah. I did not want to expose ourselves. And I knew that at some point our masks had to be down. So I wanted the doc to kind of be our conversation. So that yeah. if you had any questions, you could ask me. And of course, we did speak at the beginning. We had our masks on. We were six feet apart. And we were like, okay, what's this? And how are we doing that? And of course, we mostly recorded ourselves separately. We were together. I was watching your recording yeah. and you were watching me being recorded. But um, we really were only together at the end. And yeah, the pictures were super fast. And then we put our masks on and, and you were gone. Um, it was the closest to normal that I felt with you in a really long time. Mm-hmm. It was so nice. You know, especially when yeah. the masks were off and I was just doing something. It was like, 
you know, um, and then at the end you were like, we should be hugging at the end. Like that's like, you know, and it's like, yeah. well, we can't. another year, but we can't. So I, I just wanted to make that clear because I think people should know when you see photographs and things of people, I'm hoping that everybody does what we do. You plan. Yeah. Right. If we're going to stand there, let's discuss it before we stand together. Then our masks come off. We just take the pictures and we separate immediately, you know, um, and I think that's the way to do it. As far as the items, um, they're probably everything still that you got, in a bag. <laughs> um, the, there's one item that you didn't touch at all that I was touching. Yes. That's because besides COVID, it's part of my altar. So I actually shared part of my altar on the video because I thought it would be um, a wonderful shot. So she didn't touch it at all. And everything else is cleansed and, and all that stuff. And yeah, the stuff that you touch that belongs to me. I still have in the bag. I haven't even touched it, but I'm going to, you know, take care of that stuff. But it, I'm going to wait for a week and then yeah. I'll cleanse it. And by that point, it's already clean, but I'm still going to clean it. So, um, yeah. So just, I don't know, also to give people motivation, you can still do things together. Just you have to plan. You have yeah. to really plan and be on top of it. But I think the video came out really well. The first time that I really played around with video. So, again, hope everybody likes it. It was it's super fun and we're exhausted. Yeah, so exhausted. And it's definitely like a different offering from Witch Space than I think what people are used to from us. So I'm really excited to see like their responses and how they feel about it and that sort of thing. Well, you know, Amy from Otherworldly Waxes and whatever, she said that we're welcome anytime to do the virtual market, which I love her for saying that because we definitely want to take her up on all that. But when she advertised it to others, she said, you know, I'm really looking for performances. So that's when I said to Gemini, okay, we have to do what we wanted to do, but we have to do it in a performance-y kind of way. Yeah. So, yeah. You did an amazing it job of, of creating a narrative for this video, and I'm really excited for everybody to see. Because um, I really, like, I need everybody to know, like, this is, this is Scorpio's baby. She, like, fully designed <laughs> this thing like planned it all out organized the whole thing like i just was an actor in your magnum opus i'm being quiet because i'm like i planned almost everything i mean did we did we do our very like very traditional witch-based brainstorm yeah but like i am not letting you get away with not taking credit for this we are not ending this episode of the podcast without being like scorpio is actually very talented and deserves to be praised or people will say, man, Scorpio sucks. That video was kind of lame. No, but we'll see. But they're not going to do that to us. I'm excited. I'm excited. And then, of course, we're still not talking about our big Sarwin episode because it looks like it's coming along exactly how we want it. But again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pushing it. So, yeah. Yeah. But it, it should be big. It should be exciting. The one thing we can share is what? And this was not my idea. I think this was your idea. About some of the items from the video. Yes, I, <laughs> so I've been obviously taking advantage of having followers on Instagram by getting rid of some of my old decks that I don't use anymore and making sure they go to good homes. But as we were talking about the video and everything, we realized that this was a really great opportunity to do a real giveaway, to do Witch Base's first real giveaway, um, because there are items from the video that are you know, amazing, beautiful items that neither of us really are going to use. And so to take the opportunity to give those to our followers who are the reason that we get to do this stuff in the first place to be able to be like, you know what, 
here are some fun surprises for you. So the information on of the giveaway will happen on Instagram. So if you're not following us on Instagram, uh, you might want to do that if you're interested in the giveaway. Are we going to say what they are, the items are, or not yet? No, I think I think you have to be following us on Instagram to see what's going on. Okay. And of course, well, you have, they have to see the items, so nothing will happen um, until after the 30th. So probably on Sarawin itself is when we release. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it'll be our big Sarawin giveaway. Yeah. You won't get the item on Sarawin. We'll just announce it on Sarawin. Right. Um, because at that point, the video will be released on the 30th through Moon, Serpent, and Bone. And then it, it lives on YouTube, so we'll definitely share that so people can see it again and again. But you should go to the virtual market. And then, yeah, we'll announce that on Instagram. There are two items from the video. One is Gemini's and one is mine. And uh, and that's it. We'll talk about it then. Yeah. On Instagram. You ready right. to dive in? So, yes, I'm ready to dive in. Science. So one of the things that we know, we know, I don't even know if that's the way to say it, but what we know about science is that to make sure something is true, it has to be tested. Right. And once you've written down how you've, anybody should be able to test this thing and get the same result. Yeah. Okay. So now how do we apply that to spells? And that's basically what we're going to be talking about today. How do we know that spells work? And we've also said in past episodes that maybe spells won't work the same way for everybody. So then how is it a science? But yet it is. Okay. So now she's got her. Do you know what's so annoying? We went into this podcast, but we were talking before we started recording, and I was like, oh, like, I don't really know. I'm, like, a little worried. I don't know if I'm prepared. Like, I want you to be the leader. And then Scorpio said one sentence, and I'm like, oh, wait, I actually have a lot of opinions on this. Well, yeah, the biochemist has nothing to say about science. Yeah, okay. That's why I said to her, like, okay, sure. Yeah, you, you I'll, right. I'll be the leader on this. Um, I know. Yes. I just like hearing you say it, and on the podcast even more. Go ahead. Yeah, I know. It's, like, evidenced forever. Um, I think one of the problems that I have as a science educator is that a lot of times science ends up being memorization when in reality science is a method. And so I saw a TikTok the other day of this guy who was like, wasn't the point of the science fair in like fourth grade for us to like practice the scientific method and like learn how to do an experiment and all that. But in reality, it just becomes like how much money can you spend to like make your experiment look good. Um, and that's that's a big problem that we have in America in general is this idea that like it's about memorizing. It's about like just dumping money into whether or not you're doing the material instead of really understanding that science is about the steps. And I know we've all heard the scientific method over and over and some of us are fed up with it, but like. That framework, when it was invented, was so important and essential because it gave you a guide for how to break down a question and find a way to really get an answer that wasn't just like, let me think about what God said and find his divine light and that will give me my answer. No, you do observations, you do research, you can carry out an experiment. Here's the way you carry out an experiment. Here's your conclusion. Now test it over and over and over. And those steps create our understanding of the world. Without the steps of the scientific method, there is no science. 
But in the same way, without the steps of the scientific method, there is no sociology. There is no witchcraft. There is, there's not even literary analysis. Because the steps are basically the same. How do we answer a question with evidence? I love that you say that because, you know, as I'm not a science teacher, I'm an English teacher, and that's the one thing I want my students to understand. You know, show me the evidence. Yeah. Um, the social sciences, the softer sciences, the soft sciences. That's where, where I really, that's what I really enjoy, and that's what I've studied um, but it's the same idea, you know. You can't skip steps because it's convenient to get a certain answer. Yeah. You have to follow procedure to get the correct answer. So, yeah, it's not about memorization. And I feel like a lot of people feel that's what they have to do. Like they have one crystal for communication. So that's the crystal for communication. Well, eh, right? Just like Labradorite. I find that it's very soothing and relaxing. Yes. It's not for everybody. So does that mean that it's wrong? We have to look at a lot of different things before we say this is right and this is wrong when it comes to crystals or when it comes to certain other elements that we might use. Yeah. Things that we're not maybe even aware of. You know, um, there's a meme. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say it right. But it's something about cilantro. Did you know that cilantro tastes like soap to some yes, people? me. Oh, you? Me. I'm that person. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually made me sick soul. one of the first times I had it because it was, ugh, it tastes like soap. It's a white people problem. <laughs> no, there is some Latin. I found out. I didn't know there's some Latinx people. Yeah. Oh, no. And I just think your life is screwed. Like, I how really do you just live? It was like, a, a, like a, a Scandinavian genetic thing or something that like only white people had. <laughs> oh, no. I'm telling you. So, okay. So why am I mentioning cilantro and soap is this idea that cilantro is used as a base, as a condiment to a lot of different foods. Forget yeah. how it's used in spell work because you could also use it in spell work. But if it's not palatable to you, you shouldn't use it. I don't care if the recipe calls for cilantro. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Every, every um, sofrito that I make, I don't buy ready-made sofrito because it makes me gag. You know, I make it. it. Without cilantro, you don't have sofrito. If, oh my God, like what would you do? And I'm sure there are other things that people have done to substitute. Yeah. I don't need to know those things because I don't have a problem with sofrito now i know you do so if i make something um yeah sorry i have to remember that yeah that i don't feed you any cilantro but so the same thing applies to magic and spells just yeah. because one ingredient is tried and true you might have for lack of a better term an allergic reaction to this thing yeah now you could decide to spend tons and tons of time trying to figure out why or you can just substitute it for something that you do like so um, will it change the experiment? Yeah. I, I can't imagine certain recipes without cilantro. I don't know what it would taste like. Mm -hmm. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I, different cultures cook or don't cook with cilantro. And I have had relatively the same dish, quote unquote. And when I put it in my mouth, I go, this is bland. This mm -hmm. is missing something. Um, but to the person who made it, who consumes it that way, it's perfect. Yeah. So what does that say about spells then? So I think 
when we think about a spell as an experiment, I think, first of all, it's a better mindset to be in. Um, if you think about your spells as something that you are constantly testing, constantly um, sort of keeping notes about. But it also, the difference, I think, the main difference between a spell being an experiment and a spell being a spell is that there are so many variables, right? In a traditional scientific experiment, we're trying to limit it to one, maybe two, if we're very fancy, variables that we're trying to observe and study. But in a spell, there are, depending on what kind of witch you are, almost infinitely confounding variables. You you might be doing, you know, I just want to see if it's Labradorite or Amethyst that I prefer for a certain spell. But for some witches, the time of day matters. For some witches, the weather matters. For some witches, the moon phase matters. The candle you're using might matter. This is, and this is what I mean when I say, especially on Instagram, like we have to look at the paradigm. What types of spell work do you incorporate willingly, subconsciously, consciously? What is important to you when crafting a spell? Because now you have to consider that as you work with your spells going forward. So if you are really into candle magic, then that's the kind of thing that you need to be considerate of. If you put a candle in any spell, that's going to change the spell based on your connection to candle magic. That makes absolute sense. You're right. Cool. I was about to ask if it made sense, but then you nodded. So I was like, I'm going (laughs) to. Yeah, no, I'm going to say also, if you're beginning into spell work, um, or even if you're not, and you're feeling like your spells aren't going right, you know that they do, like, when you have allergies, an elimination diet. Yes. You eliminate everything and you add yes. one thing. Or you eliminate one thing and you see how that goes. I would say you can try something like that. In other words, do you never cast a circle first? If you've never cast a circle, maybe you want to try casting a circle. If you always cast a circle and you're feeling like your spells are going awry, Try not casting a circle or try not using a candle or try not calling the quarters or call the quarters. You know, I think that it's about trying every piece. And yes. the problem I also think with, with that, even though I'm saying it, is sometimes pieces are connected. Yeah. And they may not even be connected, you know, in the spiritual realm, but in your mind. Like maybe people associate, like if I light, I used to do this, um, light a candle for each quarter mm-hmm. well then what's what's affecting it calling the quarters or the candles or both right or both so I, that's why you know we've talked so much about notebooks having notebooks writing things down um and i think you have to dig within and ask yourself are you a high maintenance witch or a low maintenance witch? Yes. Right? Do you want all this stuff of I'm casting a circle? What am I using? I'm using my favorite wand. What are you doing for the quarters? What are you doing for your altar? What are you doing? You know, I think the more you use can bring you comfort, can bring you absolute security. Um, but like you said, then it's more variables that you are going to play with to try to figure out what's going wrong or right in the spell. In other words, if I gave a spell to you, do you have to do it the exact same way? What if you're low maintenance and you just want to do the actual spell, but I'm telling you, you have to cast a circle. You have to do this. You have to do that. 
you know, then one, if you don't like doing that, what kind of energy is going to go into your circle? Because now yes. you're like, okay, I'm pissed off. Now I got to mm, walk around three so times. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, whereas for me, maybe I'm enjoying it. I feel that energy. Yeah. You know, when I cast. If you don't, okay, so that's a variable. It's the feeling that you're putting into certain aspects. Yeah. Which is another reason why I say it's not that it's bad to buy a spell, a ready-made spell from someone, but... I think you have to pick and choose who. You're, yeah. You know what I mean? You shouldn't just go into any store, buy a little baggie full of stuff and say, I'm going to do this because I, I don't know. Maybe people get results with those, but I definitely, I don't know. It's, it's like making, going to a barbecue and making a hamburger and then going to McDonald's. You know there's a difference. I think there, the main difference here is that one, I mean, we're academic wishes. So all of our, all we just think about all of this. But yeah. I, I see like pre-made spell bags almost not necessarily being spells, but being manifestations because this mm. idea of like, if I'm putting my energy towards something that I will quote unquote, draw that thing towards me, that spell bag for you is your first action towards the thing that you want versus like creating your own spell where, you know, maybe you are personally directing energy or pulling from other things. Like a spell bag for me is just another one of those action steps for manifestation like if i know i want a new job step one start applying for jobs step two i can do a pre-made spell from somebody because that's just an action step that's just another thing that's putting me in the focus of getting that new job does that make sense Hmm. yeah it does i also think that what this is a great time to sort of discuss a little bit more secular versus religious because um, one of the things that I think is very important for witches is that they are conscious of where those spell paradigms are coming from. And as you said before, a lot of things are connected, not necessarily spiritually, but in our minds. So casting a circle, even if you are a witch who doesn't have any gods and doesn't pray to any gods, is coming from a religious background. Casting a circle comes from Wicca. So you have to then unpack for yourself, well, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I believe that I have to because a lot of books that I've read said I have to, even though I don't consider myself as Wiccan? If you don't think about where you get your spells and your magic from, sometimes you're doing things that like you don't necessarily believe in just because you think you have to do it. And I think the part of casting a circle really is more ceremonial magic. Yeah, no, for than sure. it is, you know, religious. I think it just got twisted in a way. Most people will say you should have a barrier, right? You should protect yourself because when you're in full witch mode, let's yeah. say, you're kind of vulnerable to what's out there. So you should be shielding every day anyway. But when you cast a circle, it's like a specific, powerful shield that you're saying, okay, right now. No one bother me. And it might be, you know, like I am here doing this. Where you sit down and you think about it and you go, yes, I do need to be shielding, but for me, it'll be more powerful if I imagine that I'm like in the heart of a tree or if I am surrounded by shadow. You know, if, if you're not considering where you get your ideas from, sometimes you're doing ideas that aren't as powerful for you. Yeah. I also think you have to 
what kind of witch as far as releasing the spell because for a yeah. lot of people is the taking down of the circle that just says boom this thing goes out and other people do it while they're still in the circle so there's a lot of things you have to think about and i guess this is another reason why you know we've said in the past you shouldn't just jump into mm-hmm. witchcraft um you have to really sit with some time by yourself and i do talk about it in a blog for the World Divination Association. I forgot to even mention that in the beginning. Yeah. So now I'm blogging in the World Divination Association on their website under witchcraft. I lost my train of thought. Oh, to really think about it. You have yes. To, because these are these are a lot of elements. These are a lot of variables yes. that you have to sort out. And you may find that you start one way and it's not working. And then you switch to something else and it works. So I think it's really about being diligent. It's about taking a lot of notes Mm-hmm. and not just writing stuff down, but then reflecting. And I think it's okay to go to books too. Oh, I agree completely. Um, my two big suggestions for people who are starting with witchcraft is only start with personal magic. So mm-hmm. you should only be doing magic for yourself to start out with. Um, do not, like, don't do a love spell as your first spell. I know that's the thing that everybody comes to magic for, but don't do it. It's a bad idea. It Don't. Just... Uh, Gemini's disembodied voice, do not do that. But you're right, get a book. Even if you get the book and you go into it and personally are like, well, this isn't necessarily right, or I don't really resonate with this, having a resource is so much more valuable because because I remember being 13 years old, sitting with my notebook, researching on Wikipedia and like on... um, in, in, in the real encyclopedias about, like, what is the historical context of parsley and, like, trying my, my damnedest to personally, individually research all of these different spelling gradients that I was being told, you know, I needed to have. That was a waste of my time. It was a waste of my time. I could have just gotten one book and gone through and started from there to give myself a foundation before I start painstakingly individually researching ingredients I don't use. I have never used parsley in a spell ever. What was the point of me sitting there for an hour trying to figure out what it means? I see. And I think it's good that you sat there for an hour and try to figure out what it means. Because even if you don't use it, I don't think that spell work should just be, I need to do a spell. I need to learn how to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I think that if you're drawn to something, you should learn it. And then if you never use it, okay, but you have that knowledge. You it's haven't been used many it years. I, I try to think about it in terms of science again. I think that it's more useful because, again, I don't want people to think that they have to, you know, like in living environment, you have to memorize all the vocab words for the Regents exam. That's not helpful. It doesn't help you learn science. If you want to learn science, get yourself some resources and test them. Right. Well... This is not the episode where we talk about books, but I'm going to mention a book. And and I think this is probably one of the best spell books because it's not a spell book. It is Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondences. It's a huge book, and it says a comprehensive and cross-reference resource for pagans and Wiccans by Sandra Kynes. So why do I say this is the best spell book, even though it's not a spell book? So, okay. So here we go. I'm trying to get to the very beginning. Contents. Chapter 1, Issues, issues, Intentions, and Powers. Then Chapter 2, The Plant Kingdom. 
from trees to herbs to miscellaneous plants. Then we have the mineral kingdom, gemstones, metals from the sea. Chapter four, the animal kingdom, animals, birds, marine life. Okay, I'm not going to keep going. Well, I am going to keep going. Then you have deities. Then you have the astrological and time reckoning. Then you mm -hmm. have miscellaneous, the elements, directions, energies, the chakras, numbers, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just going to open up a page. I'm not even going to know where I'm going. And I landed on the mineral kingdom. And we have zircon. So why is this handy? So under zircon, we have the zodiac. So what zodiac signs are associated with it? What moons it's associated with? What element, what chakras, directions, the goddess, the god, the tarot card, the number, the energy, the season, the solar system, and then the different colors and what it's for. So let's say we go to blue zircon, another name for it, starlight, element water, chakra, throat, issues, intentions, and powers, beauty, jealousy, power, and travel. So why do I say this is mm -hmm. probably the best thing? And this is a book that I do use. We get so stuck on what we have. And then sometimes you'll get something new and because you're drawn to it. You don't need to know. I, I really feel sometimes when you're drawn to something and we're all drawn to like really sometimes insanely expensive things, but if you can find a small crystal and it's not going to break the bank and you're like, I don't even know what this is for, but for some reason it's calling yes. to you, trust your intuition. Then you come back here to your book and you find out what it's for. Maybe it's nothing you can use now, like your parsley, but if you were drawn to it, there's got to be a reason. There are certain crystals that I always have around me for communication and creativity. Two crystals that are always on my desk. I have other crystals elsewhere, mm -hmm. but those are the two. And they're small, and I am I love them. I didn't actually pick them up. They were both gifts. One was from you. Totally drawn, totally in love with these two crystals. And yeah, I knew a little bit about it, but then I came to this book. So this book can help you, especially if, Let's say you're in a pinch and you do have to do a spell and you all you have is, you know, X, Y, and Z. Look at the correspondences, right? So who decides the correspondences? Well, the correspondences have come from years of witches, brujas, um, myths. Folklore. Folklore, exactly. All that. Um, can you use something for something else? If you are deeply called to use a crystal or an herb or whatever in a different way, try it. Yeah. There's got to be a reason behind it. But this, at least this book, I think gives you, it's, it's, I'm telling you, everything is in here. It surprised me how many things are in here. Yeah, I think that that is a really good point because I have sort of two opposite opinions on this topic. I think mm -hmm. one, sometimes when you start out as a witch you just like are very gung-ho and you're like, this is what this means and this is what that means. And sometimes it's nice to have a resource that's like been built out of years of witchcraft and folklore and history to be like, okay, this is what people have been doing historically that I can use to ground my practice. I almost, It's like being Picasso. Once you've got your hand on the rules, then you can break them. You, you can't create cubism if you don't have a blue period. Nice. I like that comparison. Yeah. I mean, you, you might be able to. Right. But having 
a foundation and an understanding about why spells work, what ingredients mean what historically, right? Universally or close to, right? Globally, regionally even, gives you a much stronger background to then be able to break that. I think about it the same way in the kitchen. If you cannot make bread traditionally, you will not be able to make cool, interesting bread that like is in fun shapes. If you cannot paint traditionally, you will not create cubism. You can't skip the line. So having that resource to give you the foundational understanding will make you that much better when you start experimenting on your own. And I think a lot of times people want to skip the line. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people have been upset because I've said, well, you should read Gardner. Why? Well, because for better or for worse, first of all, we owe him respect because he spoke up at a time that other people were not speaking up. So let's just do that. Okay. As far as witches, um, he spoke up. He went out there. And we have a lot of people like him that maybe we say, okay, that's old. We can't. Yeah, but as flawed as they were, they were out there. We wouldn't be here now if those people hadn't spoken up. But we'd be here, but we'd be really quiet about it. Right? We wouldn't be on a podcast talking about it. And it is important, regardless of whether or not we like these people, to see how history develops. So skipping the line and saying, I haven't read anything but I know that I'm a witch or I'm a hereditary witch and I do these things. And while I respect that on one hand, on the other hand, I say, well, but you should be constantly working at your craft. Right. And I think yeah. that spell work is just another one of those things. You're right. People want to skip the line. Um, I just want to know how to do this spell. Okay. If you're in a bind, I don't mind helping you create a spell. But when the bind is over, are you studying correspondences? Are you writing down what you've done or what you'd like to do and just try little things to see if it works and then try to figure out why it worked. Um, that's how you yeah. become a really great, what's the term, spellcaster, right? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Magician. Magician. Um, but that's how I think it works. It, it, it's, it takes time. And I know when I have tried to cut corners that it hasn't really worked out for me, you know? What? What are you going to say? It makes me think about being... I hope everybody on the podcast understands that I was like a very precocious and obnoxious child. Um, I thought I was really, really smart. You were really, really smart, though. Yeah, well, I didn't have the filter to also shut up about it. That's true. Um, And I was was and still am really into fantasy novels. And so this book came out called Aragon. And everybody told me, oh, you're going to love this. It's so fun. It's about dragons. And I remember I like read a review about it online that was very harsh. And I was like, I hate this. I don't have to read it. I hate this. It's terrible. And I don't remember who said it to me because it was years ago. But they basically were like, how do you know you hate it if you haven't read it? So I read Aragon. And I took my little red pen in my little like 12-year-old hands. And I underlined all the shit that I hated. And I like you know, this character development is bad and blah, 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 blah. But it turned out they were right. I was much more able to articulate the ways in which this book was not effective for me. And it taught me a valuable, like, first of all, just taught me things that I liked to read. It helped me to narrow down my interests. But it also taught me a valuable skill that I use all the time now, which is 
consume the thing you hate so you can effectively undermine it or so you can effectively critique it. Read about Gardner so that you learn from that. If we do not learn from history, we are doomed to repeat it. And honestly, there are a lot of points in witchcraft history that I do not want to repeat. I'd like to move forward from those things. And I can't do that if I don't know who Gardner was and why he was bad. Yeah. Okay, because this is off topic. It's, it became a really hot take. No, it's just, it made me think of something else that I don't know we want to go into. Um, so I was having a conversation um, with some witches and that I had just met. It, this is not anything. It's all virtual. And I happened to mention how I feel there's a lot of appropriation happening in witchcraft mm -hmm. and that I don't necessarily always share what I know until, well, I know you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't really particularly want to yeah. share things of my culture because then it becomes cool, you know? Um, yeah. And then everybody wants to do it. And then, of course, I, I also mentioned that part of the problem I think we're having as witches, what keeps us isolated is this idea of this old guard, you know, the old guard that says, you know, you have to follow Gardner and let's face it, you know, he, you know, I don't remember what I said exactly. And... Well, lo and behold, there was a Gardnerian priestess. Oh, and how I also mentioned that our coven, we don't have a high priestess. So we all come to learn from each other. And I, yeah. only, I only have the cute name of, you know, head witch in charge because basically it's in my house. Well, when it was in my house. You organize things. Right. I send, out the, I send out the Zoom invitations. But yeah. this person got like a little bit like, well, you know, I've been invited to other things and I'm part of different traditions. And, you know, and I'm just like lady good for you like you know and then somebody else says we have to be really open and we need to do better marketing so that more people come to us and you know we can we can you know route people to the right people and I'm sitting there and I'm going oh my god it's the 1990s all over again this is going to end badly um I'm not saying we shouldn't share we shouldn't be open but there are witches out there first of all when the person kind of got like just scoffed a little bit because I had mentioned Gardnerian and I thought, oh, we're already coming at this defensively. And then the other person, because yeah. I said, I do not think we'd had this conversation about the person who wanted to learn New Orleans voodoo. And it's like, your people don't come from New Orleans. So, of course, the answer yeah. there was, we don't know bloodlines. We don't know where anybody's ancestors are from. Maybe they're being called to New Orleans. And, you know, my whole thing is, well, why are you being called, called to New Orleans? Because do you want to be the cool voodoo priest in your yeah. neighborhood? You know, if you move to New Orleans because you've been called by the land and you feel like, I don't know why, but I want to learn New Orleans voodoo, then, okay. Then I would say, yes, you're probably being called by something ancestral. We don't need to go into 23andMe to find out what it is. It's probably there. But that's not... And maybe I didn't express it right, but I just feel people come for the wrong reasons. And these witches that are like, everybody come to witchcraft. We want to have banners and signs and everybody come. And I'm thinking, and all the broken people will follow. And do you have all the therapists on hand that are going to handle this? Like, you know, it's it's a process and it's serious, whether it's secular yeah. or whether it's religious. This is a serious thing, right? Um, you don't, I mean, I'm trying to think about it. I'm trying to think of like a dangerous sport. I mean, they're all kind of dangerous. In one Rugby, way, but... hockey, 
football. Okay, so would you go into any of those never having learned how to play it? Would you just like put on the gear and say I'm going in? Right? Actually, this is a really great point. Hockey is a very violent sport, Mm -hmm. right? One of the things that happens in hockey is they check each other, where they literally physically skate into each other at high speeds to attempt to, like, move them out of the play or take the puck, et cetera, et cetera. I'm really into hockey. (laughs) You learn how to do a check and how to take a check. If you shy away, if you get nervous and are afraid of the check, you are more likely to get hurt because you are going to put your body in an unsafe position. You can't, there, I mean, there are videos and it's, it's horrifying. If you shy away from a check, you break legs, you break arms, you get real bad concussions. And so you learn to take the hit. You, you are taught from like little, little babies, little like six-year-old babies on skates, learning how to get checked for safety. And I think that that's, I mean, step one, I don't want anyone to feel defensive listening to us because this is an analysis. Like, no, we're not, I'm not, no one's directing the podcast at an individual. No. But it is important that we are thinking about these things. And I, I got real, I got a little pissy listening to the idea of like, we need to route people. Hmm. Like, I don't, I, I'm not going to say that witchcraft is a religion inherently because I am a secular witch, but witchcraft is pretty clearly defined as a personal practice even in a gardnerian tradition where you have a coven there's an emphasis on a personal practice and so the idea that we're going to like i'm imagining like those little um you know in airports where you step on the belt and it like moves you so you don't have to walk yeah like little like roads of those that like oh well you're interested in this hop on this road and you're going to become that witch it's a lifelong process. You know, I, I, I started as an eclectic neo-Wiccan. Like, I, Gemini, a Hellenic secular witch, started out as a neo-Wiccan. I had an alchemy phase. And I don't, I don't want anyone to think that they're stuck. You can learn. You can grow. I don't think I would be doing witchcraft if my only option were to be an alchemist. I would have just stopped. You know, I also imagine... Was it the Mormons that would come knocking on your door? What, what religion? No, Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. And that's the, that's the visual that I got when this person was speaking. It was just like, you know, so you want to... Hello, my name is High Priestess. Yeah, would you like to join a coven? Like, It's from the Book of Mormon. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It was just kind of yeah. like... Uh, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to bring more people in for one reason. The people who need to find it always do. Yeah. We're not hidden. Right. But I'm saying it doesn't matter what religion you were raised in or what your circumstances are. People gravitate and find their way. And it's easier than ever to find your tribe. So I kind of feel like now, no, just leave, let people be. Give them the tools. And if anything, I'd rather have somebody approach me and say, you know, I have been reading and I have been keeping a notebook and I've been doing this. And I always think a year and a day is an excellent way to do it because you get to know yourself and then say, you know what? I really want to be part of a covenant. I think after all this, you know, reflection, I want to do X. And then you do, and you will find, I feel like the doors do open for you when the time is right. So, you know, I'm a little concerned. I still remember the nineties. I still remember what happened when we had this idea of 
you know, come come to the light kind of thing. You know, this like uh, yeah, and it it didn't end well. So and so many places it closed down. It makes me nervous also because I don't. I don't like the idea of like centralized witch governments right. or like um, I don't like the idea of there being people in charge who tell you this is where you should practice, especially because there's so much appropriation in witchcraft. Right. I worry that that would lead, you know, people of color, people who have interrupted traditional practices to be told, don't look into your interrupted traditional practice. Don't look into your heritage. Just go do this witchcraft, go become Wiccan, try ceremonial magic, because that's what a lot of people who tend to be in charge are working with. And so you're not giving anyone, you're telling people to memorize and you're not giving them the skills. Every witch should start independently. You should start by doing your research. You should start by finding correspondences, whether you're going to do it painstakingly or you're going to get a book. You should start by doing personal magic that helps you to grow and develop as a person because if you do it like that, you can't be taken in by charlatans who just want your money. You can't be taken in by a practice that sounds good but turns out to be not good for you. You you are less likely to be thrown from your own path. Yeah. And for some people, your path is going to be, you know completely secular like silly spells that you do to like get peach cobbler or like you know have a good day and that's great I love that for you I legitimately love that I think it's super fun but you should like I don't ever want witchcraft to become dogmatic and I think that's why this podcast specifically was so important because you're right, we have talked about the science of spell work and spell paradigms and all of that over and over and over. But we have to tell people what that means. Right. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, figuring out correspondences, you should be your first experiment. By taking yes. the time to really reflect and look at different angles of witchcraft, you are your first experiment. You are seeing what works, you know. Um, I knew right off the bat reading Gardner that I was not going to be a Gardnerian witch. There was nothing there that called to me yeah. and it made me very sad. Um, reading about and learning about other covens also made me sad. You know, it didn't connect with me. The Ferrars did connect with me, but by that point I was so turned off to covens and I'd had experiences with people just talking about getting into a coven that I just said, no, I will never ever be in a coven. Traditional coven anyway. So yeah. Cause surprise. Yeah. You're in charge of one. We're, we're all stuck now. But but that's the whole thing. It's it's about that soul searching. And yeah. it's also important to think about where you live. Whether you are, you know, living in the place of your ancestors or whether you are now living somewhere else. What does that land call, to, what in that land calls to you? Nothing? What does? Because if, no yeah. matter what, whether it's a religion or not, witches do work with the earth and what's happening in the place that you're in, you know. Um, in Manhattan, you're not going to find a lot of shells. In Florida, you might. Yeah. So you might have witches that, you know, really feel drawn to shells. Um, is that wrong? No. What do they mean to you? As a kid, oh God, as a kid, I used to spend my summers in Puerto Rico. 
And I became very attached to a lot of the farm animals. My grandfather had one pig in particular, but we're not going to talk about this right now. What I was going to talk about are is the beach. And I would walk the beach and while people would collect hundreds of shells, they would just like be crazy collecting shells. I was very particular mm-hmm. about the ones that I picked and I would wash them and clean them and talk to them. I was a strange little child, but I felt like they needed me. Like these shells needed yeah. me. Um, did they? Who knows? But I felt that way. I had a nice collection of shells when I was a little kid. I felt that they were important. And they made me feel yeah. really happy, especially when we came back to New York and I'm you know, in the concrete jungle and I had my collection of shells. That was yeah. my people. That was my, you know, for me, for a lot of different reasons, I say I'm a New Yorker. I feel like I'm definitely a New Yorker, but there's something about living here, and that's a whole different story, that never made me feel like this is me, like I really, truly belong. Mm -hmm. So I think it's okay to look at this correspondence book or anything else and say, well, okay, so I live in this part of the world, so these are the plants that grow here, and this is the thing, but why am I being called to something else? You know, I say pick that something else up, try it, work with it, write about it. I think that's the most important thing. No matter what you do, even if it's a feeling you have, even if it's a dream you have, and you're not actually doing a spell, you know, what did you eat the day before you did the spell that made it work versus another day that it didn't? Did you sleep well that night? Like there are a lot of different variables that are going to go into spellcraft, not just the items. So that you have to take this very seriously. Because once you do, your spells are going to come out right all the time. Yeah. You know, but it just takes a lot of work. I still feel there's a lot that I need to learn, to be honest with you. I never say like, oh, okay, I'm good, you know. Um, Socrates said something, and I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember it. But basically that, um, oh, it, this is this is actually common, I feel like. The fool thinks he knows everything and the wise man knows he knows nothing. Right. And I like internalized that at a very young age because I just am constantly like, – I know that I'm smart, but I also know how much I don't know. And because I know how much I don't know, that's all I focus on. Like there's constantly more that I want to learn. There's constantly more that I want to do. And I think that's why the two of us were drawn to doing something like this, because we are constantly interested in, you know, digging out the secrets and, and finding the pearl in the oyster. I don't know what else there is to say about spell... I don't know. If, I feel like we kind of got off track a little bit, but I don't know if there's anything else we need to come back to. Spellcraft is the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Correspondences are important. You should know the historical ones, but the personal ones are just as valid. Practice makes perfect. You have to be Picasso. Yes. I think that's it. I love when we can just wrap it in like a nice little, like a list. I love that. That was good. Yeah. I feel good. This was a good one. I think so. And you know, I want to hear from people if you feel like we didn't delve enough or if you have specific questions that we didn't, um, you know, address, please let us know because I'd be happy to do this again. Not again, but do, you know, address the other topics. So, you know, how can they reach out to us, Gemini? Oh, well, you can DM us on Instagram at witchspaceco. You can also email us at witchspaceco at gmail.com. You can, that's basically it. That's basically it. 
I think we're getting That's better. Basically, it. you can comment on stuff. I think we're getting better at responding to people's emails, but sometimes we get backlogged. But yeah, emails are always bigger. Like if you have a little question, just DM me. Yeah. Right. DM the Instagram because we can answer that super quick. Emails like. That's for when you have like a paragraph or two and like which we love to read it and then absolutely but like don't be mad at us if it takes a while because we want to give you a really good answer yeah and not just like respond with the first thing that comes to our head yeah and usually like it's we we both want to read it and then one of us is going to respond because we both want to talk about it and yeah we take those emails really seriously so so thank you to everybody who reaches out and I can't believe it this is it next podcast Oh my God, I know. (laughs) We can't say anything. I know. We can't say anything, but we're really excited about it. And I hope you guys are really excited about it. And I hope you're really excited about the giveaway. And I just love that you guys exist. I'm also kind of sad. for that. Yes, I'm glad that you exist too. I'm sad that... So October's going to be over? Oh, this is just a yearly thing for you. (laughs) I just... I hate it. I just... I, I hate it. Oh... I like if only it could be October all year. At least two months. October needs to be two months. One month is not enough. And I know it's a long month. It's 31 days. I should be happy. But no, it's going by too fast. I'm sorry. I know. It's okay. I'll do. So I guess that's it. Till next time. All right. Thank you so much again to everybody listening. We really appreciate having an audience that listens to these podcasts and makes them worthwhile. Thank you to Sean McShane for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.